You're listening to ayahuascapodcast.com. Hi guys and welcome to ayahuascapodcast.com. Today we're joined by Oliver, uh, Oliver Glosik. Yes. Oliver is a, uh, uh, he runs an ayahuasca retreat called Guacamayo, also here in the vicinity of Medellin, Colombia. <clears throat> Me, myself, as always, Sam Believe from La Wire Retreat. This is where we're filming from right now, as you can see, as you can probably see the beautiful view behind us. So in this episode, we're going to talk uh, about ayahuasca, but from the point of view of a facilitator, because not a lot of people focus on that, and uh, a lot of people ask us questions about how it is running a, an ayahuasca retreat, you know, how do you do, uh, to, you know, talk to so many people and the stories and uh, and so forth. So today we're going to shed some light on that and hopefully you'll enjoy it. And um, welcome to Ayahuasca Podcast, guys. Uh, Oliver, uh, welcome. Thank you very much. Introduce yourself, where are you from, why are you here, what brought you here? Well, I've been living in Colombia for two years now. I was born and raised in Germany. And both my parents are Hungarian, and uh, yes, really looking forward to this uh, episode. And it's pretty interesting. We started, I think, with this whole mission that each of us have at a uh, very similar time uh, two years ago, and to see how the things have grown over the, um, for each one of us, and not just like the the facilities, the the retreats, but also the personal growth that's happening um, within us is uh, amazing and. Um, what I'm very passionate about and what I love is the fulfilling aspect and the fulfilling nature of the of running a retreat center uh, because you really see the changes that people are going through mm -hmm. and um, before I was building a video marketing company for software and IT companies and I mean that's something we can objectively look at like okay video marketing videos are on the rise software companies software companies are on the rise all of that is great but um, for me, it was mostly money motivated. And there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money or wanting to make a lot of money. But if that's the main motivation for you to do something, mm -hmm. there's going to be, um, there's more to life. And also, uh, you will never have that level of enthusiasm, excitement, passion, uh, that extra bit, if that's your mo main motivation. And um, yeah, it's started my ayahuasca, journey in Germany and now I'm happy that we're with the journey developed and we also mentioned that uh, you know this is not something that you plan on oh I want to do an ayahuasca retreat but doors open you, you don't, don't come to ayahuasca ayahuasca comes to you you don't find ayahuasca ayahuasca finds you mm. just comes on like you know come let's hang out uh, interesting note so uh, Oliver was born in Hungary right mm -hmm. so Hungary no Germany both you're my parents born are Germany, Germany, both parents are Hungarian. But you're, you're ethnically yes. Hungarian. Anyways, like, we're, we're fellow Eastern Europeans, and like, uh, you know, how how little is the possibility that two people from uh, the East part of Europe end up here in Colombia, mm -hmm. working with a, a very unique medicine, which is, we probably never heard about it till we grew up, right? Till mm -hmm. we traveled to South America. This is like completely outside of our reality. But still, we ended up here and um, working and, and doing pretty well, uh, both for ourselves and for the people that come to us. 
And the first subject that I want to touch upon, and you touched upon it, is uh, money, right? Um, for those of you who are listening who want to start an ayahuasca retreat for money, to make money, and you can make money with an ayahuasca retreat, uh, uh, there are easier ways to make money. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. It's uh, uh, Do it if that's your calling. Uh, if it comes out from, first of all, from the point of passion about plant medicines and helping other people. If you do it for money, you're going to fail. And I've, I've seen so many people try it and because it looks so simple on the surface, but hopefully after this podcast episode, you'll know it's not. Uh, but um, ayahuasca retreat is a business. It's still a business. You still need to to pay the bills and pay the workers and pay the venue and the food and organize everything. Running an ayahuasca retreat is like running a hotel, a restaurant, a spiritual retreat, and a psych ward. Yeah. And we'll talk and we'll talk about that later as well. But there are much more easier ways to make money. And uh, my my background was offshore oil and gas. I would make a lot of money, but I would be so so unhappy. Like you just make money and you spend money and you're soulless. What really keeps us going, and I'm talking for both of us, is when you get a person to the retreat and it gives me goosebumps immediately <laughs> you get a person to the retreat who says like i bought a one-way ticket i'm gonna if this doesn't work i'm gonna kill myself have it happened to you over i've that specific situation did not um i've had per- people there who've had suicidal thoughts before yeah. some more present than others but that specific situation with like one-way tickets no it happened so, to us a couple times mm-hmm. like literally like this is my last chance nothing else works and guess what? Those people are still happy, running around, still alive, and better than ever before. So, this uh, honestly, this is one of the examples. But suicidal ideation is only one of them. There's people from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of different traumas, and they come here, and you know, good, good medicine, good facilitation, and just one week can, can completely change their lives. And when when those people come to you. And they're grateful and they're happy and they hug you and they you know you might not be making a lot of money but this is so much more fulfilling what is um, in your experience Oliver what is the um, what are those motivators what are those situations with people that, that keep you going in this not so easy line of work mm, I'm gonna start with a selfish one and I feel a lot of growth within me throughout my ayahuasca journey. The level of stability that I feel in my life, the clarity that I have for my for my future, the vision that I want to create, and also, you know, it's one thing to have a vision. It's a, another one is how much do you believe in, it, believe in it and how much of that can also be your reality. And also before, I mean, I was always a very ambitious person, but, um, after a couple of business failures, sometimes I was also like doubting myself. I was like, you know, can it really work for, for me? And um, now I feel a lot of self-confidence, self-worth, and um, just the journey that I'm on, that is, um, I, I love that. And I think it's great to have all of these, and you need to have that, of course, as well, if you're running an ayahuasca retreat, uh, the impact you want to create and, and help others. I also think it's good to maintain certain 
goals for yourself as well because if you just live for other people you're gonna burn out but if you feel the positive effects for yourself as well um, so that's obviously one for me that I feel great and uh, my dad visited me and he said when uh, he was uh, 30 he had what is it called when you like have like that lower back pain and you need like surgery Sciatica or yeah. herniated disc? I, I think the herniated disc yes and he said like he was um, you know sick when he was uh, 30 and he sees how um, how much energy I have the way I carry myself my par my mom I didn't tell her my parents in the beginning when I went on this ayahuasca journey after about four months my mom noticed my eyes were a lot brighter and my smile was coming mm -hmm. back and uh, you know that's what moms care about so the best way to advertise ayahuasca is to do it yourself and when people notice and ask mm -hmm. you like what the hell is that mm -hmm. you doing for yourself so that living a good life for myself you know we also talked about uh, being self-sustainable about the solar panels mm -hmm. eating good food uh, living in nature I mean I couldn't imagine living in a city again after having so much beautiful nature around you mm -hmm. and you know if you live in a city there's a lot of confusion always somewhere to go um, and if there's nature there's so much harmony and when there's harmony outside of you there's harmony inside of you as well so starting an ayahuasca retreat and being a facilitator or a founder it's kind of like putting yourself in a position where you have no choice but feel like you surround yourself with constant people who are growing you surround yourself with word circles sharing circles medicine and even sometimes you know let's be realistic life happens and you get distracted and you are carried away to another less fruitful direction but then because of that container you created for other people you are in it yourself and you can you get constantly put back to healing put back to healing that happens to me all the time i get Sometimes I get distracted to the business side of it, right? We're, we're building some cabins now and you need to buy material and then the guy wants to charge you more money and it's constant, it's business, right? Ayahuasca, running an ayahuasca retreat, you can uh, hide it. Some For some reason, some retreats out there, they, they really want to hide the fact that it is a service for which you get to pay, for which you get paid money, right? They, they don't call it, they don't give you prices, they say it's, donation and they specify the amount of donation like i personally like to be honest here's our retreat here's how much it costs here's what you get it is a business people need to get get paid but there uh, as a facilitator you walk you're walking that fine line when your one leg is is in a spiritual space where you really want to help people and you want to heal the world and the other hand is like how are you going to pay the bills and pay all the workers and uh, pay for all the improvements you want to do. It's extremely difficult balance, but uh, you have you have to be open and like I like to be open and just say like yeah this is a business and it's a very difficult one. And uh, you said something about like being selfish, right? Which is I'm sure you're not selfish, but <clears throat> still you know for some reason in in this uh, field of work there exists this uh, misconception that people who work in uh, in the healing space don't deserve to get paid it's kind of like you know somebody comes from a somebody goes to a psychologist in US and spends uh, tens of thousands of dollars in over years to heal something don't get any healing 
and then they come to, to a retreat and they, they need to pay five, six hundred dollars and then they like, you know, sort of reject it because this is, this feels wrong because spiritual people don't need money, I guess, for some reason. And then they get, like, some people, I've had people say anything from 10 to 20 years. They say, like, it felt like 10 years of therapy, it felt like 15 years of therapy, 20 years of therapy, all in one week for the price of, like, a medium hotel in, in, in the United States. And this is, have you experienced that yourself? Like, sort of? I can tell an interesting story. Somebody Stories are the best. Uh, actually said that to Mama Concha, the indigenous elder that I'm working with as well, uh, that, you know, this is healing work and you shouldn't charge money for that and all that kind of stuff. And she got pretty angry at it and I gave her like an ayahuasca wine and said like, if you want to, you can eat it or do whatever with it. Mm -hmm. Because even before our work starts, there's so much work before that comes yeah. into it. Like the plant needs to be planted, cared for, the process of cooking the ayahuasca, carrying the heavy logs, multiple days, uh, they have to pay their workers, they have to, yeah. like, it's, um, it's, it is a business, but it's also a very special type of business. And I think what you um, cannot, what you have to be attentive of is, you mentioned if you want to make money, don't do an ayahuasca retreat because there's so many other ways uh, to make easier money ways, yeah. and a lot easier ways as well and I noticed that let's say a successful entrepreneur comes to ayahuasca and receives a lot of healing and then he or she is like okay I want to create an ayahuasca retreat myself and uh, because they have that business background they're like okay I, I, I can do this and then they start and I think that's where some of the traps are more um, more present because they use the ways they built their business mm -hmm. into an ayahuasca retreat. And it's still, a, also I, I like to say, you know, participants, but in reality, the people who come to a retreat on a level are also patients because they are suffering uh, emotionally. Uh, they have things that they carry w w with them. And if you only think very coldly, okay, what is my lead, uh, lead cost per lead? Uh, mm -hmm. How many people do I need to talk to? What's the customer lifetime value? All that kind of stuff. And you're just like too focused on that. People feel that. Yeah. And you don't want that. And um, of course, it's still a business. You need to know what you're doing and also run your numbers, all that kind of stuff. But the most important is that people feel understood. They feel cared for. When they, when they come, they feel an open heart they're greeted they feel loved kind of, yes and they are they come here as a person and not as a client yeah. because if people feel like they are a client it's just like how many people can I get through as, as, uh, to as high of a price as possible no. the, the the spirit is missing it, so will, it will never work out and it's, and it's funny because ayahuasca itself is a conscious thing mm -hmm. so you can do everything right you can go to a retreat and you can you know copy it exactly mm. and you can do everything right and it will still not work like you can get 20 people and they will get sicker after the retreat because you need th there's there's some very special ingredient mm. which is that you know the soul soul aspect of it and um, can, I, can I add something on top of that? sure um, and one word that comes to my mind is integrity 
and the higher we live our lives in integrity, the more power our words and our actions have. So one of the reasons why ayahuasca was also very transformational for me, I first drank it in uh, Germany with uh, a shaman who I met the year before. Uh, he lived two years in Colombia and Putumayo as well. Before he was a uh, very successful at business, was um, physically very fit. He was doing the ceremonies with his wife, with his brother, with his brother's wives, uh, brother wife, <laughs> one, one wife. Um, he, he has two kids now. And he was one of the few people who I've met who had his life figured out in different areas on a high level. Because you meet people who make a lot of money, then you look at the way they, their situation with their family is, or uh, to drugs or whatever, and it's like, eh, I'm not sure if I want to follow down that path. And he was a very inspirational person that I met, and he said certain things to me that heard them before but be because they were coming from a place of power because they were coming from a place of integrity that started to move things in me the message got delivered yes and I think that refers to what you said you can do this same without like the soul and just like get people to mm -hmm. a ceremonial or whatever but if the main facilitator or the people who the person who welcomes them and guides them throughout this whole journey is not about this life I mean, people are very easy to have that sense for authenticity, for realness, and they just like sense like, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, so it is a balancing act because as facilitators, I'm sure it's same with you. I can just stay here in the nature with my daita and drink ayahuasca every few days and just uh, be very spiritual and just forget about the rest of the world and just, uh, you know, connect with the nature blend with the nature and like become a being a pure light and like disintegrate uh, the last part was a joke uh, and this this would be great for me but probably not great for my family and for for the retreat and for all the people that we can host because if you want to have people over at the retreat um, and, the, and the, the reason it it seems so simple right from the eyes you just have a retreat and people come and they drink medicine they get healing and they leave but People rarely ask themselves, is like, where do all these people come from, mm. right? You need to get in front of people, which is very difficult more in this because everyone is competing for everyone's attention. And there's, there are things much more attractive than ayahuasca, like you can watch, watch short videos on, on YouTube and get your dopamine uh, hits and never want to get your healing. So finding a group of 10, 20 people that want to come to an ayahuasca retreat and, you know, sort of risk their lives because it, if you read on the internet, it seems like a, such a dangerous thing to do and come over and, and uh, take this leap of healing. And so for every person that comes to my retreat, I can say I speak to at least five people. Mm. So it means that for every person that you see at the retreat, I have a conversation with with four more people that never never show up. It's, and it's people that that send me emails and they send me WhatsApp messages and I have to take time off, uh, you know, me being with my family or just enjoying my life and reply. And you have to reply quickly. Because mm. if you don't reply quick, quickly, people lose interest and they go somewhere else or they forget about the, the idea altogether. And uh, how do you deal with it, Oliver, in, in your uh, work? Like uh, all the all the conversations and not only speaking to people that are about to come or who never will come and people who came 
I still need your help. Hmm. That's an area that I struggle with. Hmm. You know, it's um, there's the people who want to come to retreat, but then also the people after retreat, they still have a lot of uh, questions. They message you, um, and yeah, it's it's difficult because what I really enjoy is being present with the people. You know, we've. Uh, had great conversations uh, before and your phone was going off a bunch of times my phone was going off and um but i value the time that we spend here and to um, enjoy those moments instead of like replying to everybody right away so um it's definitely something that i'm working on improving to be faster on my replies all that kind of stuff but yes it's um what you mentioned like the the hotel aspect, the restaurant aspect, and the marketing aspect, the online aspect, and mm -hmm. um, it's something very personal because, in a way, it's a open heart surgery on your psyche that's happening on ayahuasca. And where are you gonna go? Where do you feel comfortable? Where do you feel safe? And um, I think it's also amazing that we create those places for people to have these types of experiences because, um, I mean, there's also other, especially here in Colombia, uh, more local ceremonies and uh, there's a lot of magic that can happen in those environments as well. Um, I had a retreat participant, he was in the jungle and he drank with a taita there, but they were hiking like 25 minutes uh, up in the jungle and had like very, like the bathroom was like, I don't want to talk about how the bathroom was, but he also then had the thought like, well, what if something happens? And um, that thought alone didn't allow him to let go and make the experience that he needed to make because yeah. there was that thought it there like well, what if something happens and so we put a lot of attention into creating this space where people feel safe where people feel understood where people feel listened to where you have conversations before what they expect from ayahuasca of course nobody can tell you how your ayahuasca experience is going to be but having those uh, conversations before, feeling safe, it's uh, it's very powerful. And then also the conversations after. And so it's uh, a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah, it's a lot of work and uh, we have to always be, you know, both spiritual and also like uh, taking care of the, the physical, physical aspects of it. Yeah. Can I add one more thing there? Sure. Because you know, I first from Germany, I came to Putumayo, the Colombian jungle, and had very transformative ceremonies there. And um, then my path led me to Medellin. And I'm very happy that I'm here because I think it's one thing to be feel at peace and harmonious and all that kind of stuff when you remove all the external triggers. But by actually building a business, by dealing with rejections, by dealing with people who are dealing with their stuff, projecting that onto you, how can you stay with the trigger? How can you respond and not react? And I think that's just as spiritual as, you, I think you, I could argue even more spiritual of running a business than sitting under, under a tree and meditating all day. So I like that yeah. level of uh, growth that's happening through that. It's easy to be peaceful when there is no negative stimuli right mm -hmm. it's like Absolutely. yeah you just uh you, you're in nature and there's no people coming and annoying you and making you feel bad or like triggering your trauma and then you can of course everyone can feel spiritual but the real spirituality comes through when 
when there are issues and you can you're still withstanding them and uh, you know striving and, under that environment. Uh, but something you said about nature as well, right? Well, well once again, it's, it's a balancing act. It's kind of like if you if, if you see behind us, there's there's a lot of nature, right? But we kind of in the countryside. We're not in the jungle, which means that uh, you know there's a hospital five minutes away, but you're still surrounded by nature, which is important. But but still, there's this commodities, and you can go and take a bus and go to Medellin. Uh, you don't need to hike. For, for three days uh, and take a boat and then a horse and then um, so it's, it's finding that balance between nature and civilization it's finding that balance between spirituality and business mm -hmm. it's it's also finding balance between you know helping others grow and like focusing on your own growth it's life is a balancing act right mm -hmm. this kind of shows it so so clearly as, uh, as facilitators, we do have one perk, which is uh, ayahuasca itself. Like you can, you can get a, um, which is which happens really, really rarely, but you can get a very unhappy, ungrateful person that, for some reason, resists their healing with ayahuasca while at your retreat. It happens to us extremely rarely, but when it does, you can get hundred five star reviews, but that one one star review will hurt more than then the 500 five star reviews will it's kind of i don't know why my brain personally works that way but it's always like focusing on fixing the problem and then let's say life kicked you down and things happened and uh problems and people and then you just drink ayahuasca you drink ayahuasca and it puts you back on your track it sort of pats you on the back and tells you this is the way you go and like I'm here to help you and you're on the right path and uh, it doesn't make all your problems go away but it changes your attitude to your problems when they don't seem that big so that that's an that's an unfair advantage yeah. of, of being a an ayahuasca facilitator because you first of all you put yourself in a position where you have no choice but heal because even if you don't drink ayahuasca yourself but you participate in word circles and you hear other people's story some of them um, they really appeal to you because they show you something about your life and you can't help it but, but grow it's like uh, you do word circles at your retreat as well Absolutely. right mm -hmm. what, what, what do you think about that concept altogether and what do you think about the sheer enormous amount of wisdom that just comes out of those mm. I love it. I think it's very important. Um, also, one thing that I like to tell people is for the indigenous, they believe the <coughs> the message that comes through them through the ayahuasca is a secret that is just revealed to them, and uh, so they don't share their ayahuasca ceremonies. But then I also say you have a different level of connection with ayahuasca if you grow up in the uh, Amazon and if you're indigenous than when you're a software developer drinking ayahuasca for the first time. Um, but keep that in mind, do not share your ayahuasca ceremony with the whole world because most people will not understand. And through the word circles, I always say like, share as much as you wanna share, but don't feel the pressure to sharing because maybe the person next to you goes deep into their trauma or what happened to them, but you're not, ready to share maybe certain things that came up for you and that's totally fine as well and um, and uh, say whatever you want to say 
and also I think it's a challenge for us as um, facilitators as well to help people find the answers within themselves, right? Because, I mean, we're not perfect. Maybe I put a projection on somebody else and that's just my projection and not uh, their reality. And especially when they're in a very sensitive state and you, they could see that as truth, but it's, the biggest truth is always the one that you find out about yourself. And uh, I had a retreat recently where somebody was like, you think this is what my ayahuasca vision means? And I told him, mm -hmm. well, first, it's your ayahuasca vision, and you need to understand your ayahuasca vision, and I can give certain impulses. Only you can know the language your subconscious speaks to you. Yes. Yeah. It's another balancing act, right? Um, as, as Oliver said, some indigenous communities might not like the word circles, right? So we also try and find balance between uh, sort of Western approach to integration and healing and you know psychology in general while using those those plants so it's kind of like a, lo a lot of times in the ceremony right um, you could have a title that can say women drink men drink first and women drink second mm. and you like well that's kind of uncomfortable for you as a facilitator to explain to people and, and he will say like that's what my granddad taught me. <laughs> and you're like, where's, how do you, how do you breach that line between two oppositely, diametrically opposite uh, things? And it's kind of like trying to please all of them. And it's like, as a facility, you're constantly like balancing, trying to make everyone comfortable. Um, and also, um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. I can add one more thing. Uh, something that happened at a retreat this year. So I also do holotropic breathwork, holotropic breathwork sessions before the ceremonies, like not right before the ceremony, but the day of the ceremony. And um, I also told the people that uh, I will have some friends coming over for the ice bath that we do after the holotropic breathwork. And so we were just finishing up the, uh, the, the breathwork session. And then a friend came and I asked her if she can do some cleaning with Palo Santo. To, to the people and uh, I also did, did, did it to, like she did it to like one side of the room I did it to the other side of the room and one person opened her eyes or his eyes and then he saw somebody that he never saw before like being somewhat close to him with the Palo Santo and he was like didn't like that let's put it that way and um, later I heard through that he wasn't happy about the situation like he, he said like oh i didn't like that people came uh for for the ice bath and all that kind of stuff and i was like thinking like the first reaction that came up for me i shared that before the retreat that people will be coming for an ice bath and mm -hmm. it wasn't a problem and now it's this problem and like oh, why does he need to be so sensitive and all that kind of stuff that was like a very quick thing that came up for me mm -hmm. and then i meditated on that a bit and then I was like, well, he was in a very sensitive state. And in that sensitive state, somebody who he never seen before was doing, uh, you know, with Palo Santo. It's, it's not like, like as close as like you, you, you and I, for example. But I couldn't see that that threw him off. And I also, I had trust to that person, but he hasn't established that mm -hmm. trust. So I could see why he felt the way that he felt. And uh, later I also went to him, had a conversation, resolved mm -hmm. the issue, 
and I think it's not just like for us as uh, facilitators, but for any time in life when you have that very quick reaction and also like blame it on somebody else, uh, also take a step back, mm -hmm. see what mistakes or what some of your actions led to that outcome and fix those. And we mentioned that, you know, we are humans as well. Yeah. And we that, do make mistakes too. That's another balancing act, right? You, you need to know people are sensitive and you're trying to be yourself uh, while needing to understand that some people are too sensitive. It happened to me a few, day, a few days ago at the last retreat. One lady was leaving earlier. I came to her room to organize her a taxi, but she was in a dark room in a bed in the corner. Mm. And I closed the door behind me because it was a ceremony time. It was a day ceremony. And I wanted to talk to her about organizing her taxi. But a girl outside of the ceremony space who was uh, abused, she, mm. she lived that same situation when there was a, mm. a big guy entering a room, closing the door behind them, dark room. Mm. And it triggered a lot of stuff in her. Mm. So it's like, um, Obviously, it's hard for me to know that or like because I've never lived that situation before, but we need to be so conscious mm -hmm. beyond, mm -hmm. you know, our own field of mm -hmm. vision yeah. to be like extra, extra careful. So like running an ayahuasca retreat is, is, is a huge balancing act and you're always walking on, how do you call it? Like, eggshells. Uh, walking on eggshells. You, you can, if you make a little too much noise, it might trigger somebody if you... You know, sometimes just your presence alone, mm -hmm. and this happened to me once, and this was really uncomfortable. Uh, just my presence alone would trigger somebody because it might remind them of someone, and mm -hmm. it's it, it is difficult. Like mm -hmm. uh, people on ayahuasca, people very sensitive. You need to sometimes the best thing you can do is just not be around. Like you just have to observe from a distance. Like somebody might be having a difficult time in the ceremony, and you have to know how to approach them. Because if you come from them from the back and you might pat mm. them on the shoulder, it might trigger some memory mm. from mm. you know them being attacked or something like that, and they can run and start screaming. I uh, I remember my uh, the thought that I lost about the word circle uh, mm. subject is that I think indigenous people in some communities they don't need word circles because they have an unfair advantage of actually having a a complete full functioning family system. Meaning that after the ceremony, they don't need a word circle with a bunch of uh, people they just met. They go back to their family and they talk to them. They talk to their grandparents, their parents, because they their families are still united. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not shaped as a circle, but they will be able to share and integrate their experience through those conversations. And we as uh, Western society, a lot of times we don't have those uh, safety nets to fall into. So that's why as a as a responsible retreat facilitators and operators, we need to provide people with that uh, support. And um, I like to say the best way to make friends as an adult is to go to an ayahuasca retreat. Because you come to, to this place of healing, you meet with 15, 20 strangers uh, who also are ready for their healing. They will be here uh, for themselves, but they'll be here for you and you will be there for them and you you will not imagine How much people can bond within mm. just one week? Mm. Uh, it's we get groups of people that met a year ago. We still get photos We create those whatsapp groups and we still have photos of those people uh, Traveling together doing cool things together 
uh, and whenever somebody has a problem, they, they write to the group and everyone supports them and it's just amazing. Have you experienced that in, in, your, uh, in your work as well? I think that's uh, very amazing about those friendships that form throughout an ayahuasca retreat because in a way the, the walls are down, right? If I meet somebody when I go bowling or wherever, you know, you, you don't talk about the stuff that you talk about in ayahuasca retreat. Yeah, it's like, how are you? I'm okay. Yes. That's about it. <laughs> yes, and there you're like, no, actually, like, these things are going on in my life. And then, like, yeah, in some ways for me too. And then you connect on those uh, topics. And I like to tell people to drop the mess, be yourself as much as you can. Um, <laughs> just be yourself. Uh, imperfect people connect with imperfect people. And it's not about how many <coughs> employees you have or how much money you make or this, that, or <coughs> or whatever, because, you know, we're all humans looking to make this experience or looking to heal, looking to grow. And I think it's actually pretty fascinating to think about there's a group of 10, 15, 20 people coming together from all different walks of life, different age groups, and they get along, you know, because, like, of course, it's, there's things like or also conflicts that can happen, all that kind of stuff, but generally the vibe, the atmosphere is so positive and so um, um, beneficial and helping and understanding towards each other. I think that's a miracle in and of itself as well. Yeah, because in the end of the day, if you remove all the fluff mm. and all the conditioning, mm. we are all human, mm. we are all connected, mm. which is clearly seen with the medicine. You feel like part of each other and we're all we all love each other mm -hmm. when you take away the fluff and it's difficult sometimes because people might hurt you and but ayahuasca does really help to connect with it and I think the key and, and, and that's what you said um, 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 imperfect people uh, you know connect, with, connect imperfect. with imperfect people what's the key of that we know we all know we're imperfect but we don't tell it to other people because we are afraid to be vulnerable. So without being vulnerable, you can't break down those walls and establish real new collection connections. So it's like creating that culture in the retreat when people can start sharing. And there, there could be a person that, you know, would normally be offended by some other person and then now they accept them because they feel that there's something beyond that. They like, it's, it's levels deeper than, than what we used to. And instead of, having, you know, good morning, nice weather, how are you kind of conversations, you start noticing that as the retreat progresses, conversations get deeper and deeper and deeper, till the point where there's literally no shallow conversation. And people can start like, you know, like, um, good morning, you know, I just dreamt about some trauma, and like, they just start talking about it. It goes very deep, and um, I've noticed that, I would say, at an ayahuasca retreat, more than half of the feel, half of the healing comes from group and people mm -hmm. themselves. So ayahuasca is that important trigger mm -hmm. that makes it all happen. But it's people themselves that can heal other mm -hmm. people, and you can heal another person while being healed yourself. Mm -hmm. How awesome is that? I think it's uh, incredible. Also, one time I did a men's retreat, was without any damn medicine. It was also just a four-day retreat. But people said that was probably life-changing for me. Uh, I'm gonna start to have certain conversations that I thought I will take to my grave. 
and I was impressed by it because what I love about ayahuasca is that ayahuasca also does some <coughs> of Sorry. the work. It helps loosen up things, open people up, and there was nothing of that. But only the the presence of other people wanting to be there for you, supporting you, feeling understood, feeling listened to, that is something that so many people don't feel on their day-to-day -day life because most of the times everybody just wants to talk and then there's two people just talking at each other both kind of just want the other person to listen but none of the two people listen and but if you listen uh, to people if you not just like with your head about what I'm going to answer but with your heart feel what they're going through that is so much what humanity wants what creates that safety net of like okay I, there are people there that are there for me and uh, I agree that ayahuasca incredible does so much of the work and the other part is uh, also very very important yeah ayahuasca is very important as this first step that unlocks things but sometimes ayahuasca is almost like an excuse to begin your healing right some people are ready and this is just what appeals to them and there's a lot that can be done in just um, conversations and helpful guidance. Um, but yeah, let's not talk about too much positive things, right? This episode is about us complaining about uh, life of a facility. <laughs> let's not get carried away. Yeah, guys, uh, whether you come to my retreat or Oliver's retreat or some other retreat, um, don't forget that the facilitator and the shaman and everyone that, that runs the retreat has this concept of wounded healing, wounded healer. It's like somebody who was so hurt that they found healing with this modality and they are getting healed themselves and because they're a couple steps forward they extend their arm to you know guide you and help you and don't forget that we're all humans and uh, some things can be perfect but always try and focus on the fact that we open our spaces, our hearts for the healing and and uh, you know this transformation for other people to partake, and we take a huge amount of joy and gratitude from those healing experiences because yeah, both you and me, there's I could make so much more money <laughs> with doing other stuff, but that's not about that's not about it. But in the end of the day. We do need to earn money and uh, spend them accordingly. Uh, for example, like here at this retreat, we employ anywhere between 10 and 15 people every month and uh, provide them with, uh, uh, you know, income to feed their families and the jobs that they would would otherwise not have. And uh, it it is silly, as you said, to come and say like, "Oh, you're you're in the line of healing, and uh, you should not, you know, you shouldn't charge money." But it's like. What do you, I, I mean, ayahuasca gives you a lot of things. It mm. gives you peace, it gives you growth and knowledge. But unfortunately, there's that like you drink a ceremony and then you wake up next morning <laughs> with your pockets <laughs> full of money, right? Uh, it does give you abundance. But this abundance, a lot of times, comes through the exchange of the good energies and the, and the healing experience from us mm. to the patients and from you to us. It comes in the form of money that then comes from us and keeps going on, cycle completes, and it's all beautiful, but... Can I add one more thing to this? No, 100%. I think from 
the way it used to be with healers is that everybody would pay what they could pay. But mm -hmm. in a way, the person who was very affluent would also pay significantly more than the person. And that also allowed the healer, the shaman, whoever, to attend to the person who, uh, who couldn't afford it. And he also didn't do it for the money, but he also, of course, needs money. But also, it was, you know, that exchange, people taking care of people. And when you had more, you would give more as well and all that kind of stuff. But of course, the, it's not how life is um, in these days. And I mean, I even remember, you know, you, I think you started with very, very low prices. I think even yeah. probably the first ceremony you did it probably for... It was extremely cheap, yeah. It was basically... For me personally, I, we didn't make any money for the first eight months of our mm. existence. Meaning, like I would spend money mm. more than, than <laughs> making them. So yeah. it was it was it was a completely passion-based business. Mm. Like I was just stoked about being able to have ayahuasca without leaving my home mm. and like have other people enjoy that mm. experience. And then I remember I saw a Facebook post about you like oh you used to have like very uh, great lo local prices and all that kind of stuff and now those prices go up and like you know i see it's getting commercialized and all that kind of stuff it's like come on man. because also for us to create these spaces it takes a lot of energy uh, and resources as well to for people to enjoy the place and um to run a business and everybody who's run a business for them it's they understand it for people who have not run a business it's uh, not as easy to understand but there's a lot of you know, like you need to have a first aid kit there. You need to have so many other things that you don't even think about when you first think, okay, I'll just have some people over, get the title there, he shares some ayahuasca. Yeah. Okay, that's one thing, but if you didn't do that professionally, then if you start thinking... He really likes you. <laughs> Must be sweet. Yeah. Um, and then the more, then you talk about hosting, the, the microphone, the camera, uh, it, and it's just like... The music on. and uh, the food. Instruments. And you need to buy food for one one week in advance and you need to have four fridges and you need to plan the menus and you need to get a bus to bring people here and you need everyone to mm -hmm. come to the pickup spot at the right time. And, and if you think about it, what if for two months the retreat slows down yeah. and not a lot of people come? If you think about it, you would want the retreat center to also have money saved up so that doesn't mean it's the, the, the retreat is gonna die off and all the important work that we are doing stops as well so in a way i think it, it is it is paradoxical right somebody can go to they can go to a an expensive restaurant and just throw a couple hundred bucks and be like you know that's just whatever or they can go to like a fancy hotel but then like go to a place that will change their lives uh, and spend you know a couple hundred dollars seems unacceptable because it is spiritual and it is for some reason means that you don't deserve money or there's this weird thing about money being a bad thing what money is is energy right let's say we go back 5,000 years ago there's no money you have a cow and I have ayahuasca, right? <laughs> you come, you get your healing, you give me a cow, right? You don't have a cow. 
and uh, everyone just gives what they want but money is energy you give us this energy we give you another form of energy in your healing which ends up making even more money because as a healthy individual you you, you get you get you lose all those blockages that stop you from being successful and um, and you progress more and it makes the world a better place and like so and so but for some for some reason there is this stigma about like no I, I don't say anything about I watch retreats that charge five thousand plus dollars for a week. Uh, it is, you know, there there is a way you can you can become greedy about it. But when it's like a reasonable price and you still don't feel like, you know, like the spiritual work deserves any payment, that's that that's what we I guess we talk about it because it's like a pet peeve, you know, something that that hurts us a lot. But regarding on the on the work subject of it. It is absolutely the most difficult job I've ever had in my life. But at the same time, it's the it's a job I enjoyed the most than any other jobs that I had before in my life. But it comes to a point where I work when I sleep. Hmm. Like sometimes I'm sleeping and then I'm like, there's still like plans in my head and all the you know improvements and how I could do this and how I could do that. It just never stops. And then I wake up to go to the toilet and then I start thinking about work and I couldn't fall asleep. I'm, I'm literally struggling myself right now with that concept because like, I, I like it so much and also, but yeah, this is this is a life of a facilitator for you guys. And I the know, life of an entrepreneur too. And the life right. of an entrepreneur. And like an uh, entrepreneur would understand and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm in the same boat. So this episode is about us complaining pretty much and uh, I know maybe nobody will listen to it, but it's still good good for us to talk about it right it's i think it's uh, also have different perspectives right and um for people to understand um, both sides and um, i think the best people like sometimes i i tell the price and somebody's like oh only that much and that's th those are the reactions that i love hearing because yeah. and also interestingly people who are financially successful many times they are the people who are the most grateful for the experience because there. they understand the difficulty of creating an experience like this maybe because they've done something similar in their business and also in the end it goes back to self-responsibility as well you know that uh, just because you come here for uh, one week retreat uh, doesn't mean that all of your problems will go away doesn't mean that you need to be healed doesn't mean that everything yeah. needs to be perfect but they're gonna where you go they're gonna create something and it's gonna help you uh, take the next step let's your talk life. about that a little bit about managing expectations mm -hmm. yes there's uh, the retreat begins and you've done everything right and you got 20 people to commit <coughs> and you got them all to come on the bus pickup spot at the right time and they, they're now at your retreat now you get 20 individuals with 20 different completely different life stories and issues and they all want uh, to be fixed and uh, some of them want to e see crazy visions some of them want to ayahuasca to just take all their problems away and uh, they like borderline they want to guarantee like you know here i'm doing ayahuasca you know like is it uh, is it sure that like all my problems will go away and uh some just want some growth some just want miraculously in my experience 95 percent of people get exactly what they want with only one uh key ingredient 
and that is them doing the work, which means that uh, they need to lower their expectation and actually accept what the medicine is giving them. Because a lot of times there's people that get absolutely gold nuggets thrown at them and then just say like, oh, no, I didn't feel anything. No, this is not what I want. Because uh, ayahuasca will never give you what you want, but it will always give you what you need. Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, how do you deal with unrealistic expectations in your work, Oliver? I think I think the most frustrating thing also as facilitators is when people don't connect easily with the medicine. Um, also that's why we do longer retreats, at least for two ceremonies or four ceremonies, because if you have one night of ceremony and you then put all that expectation, everything needs to happen that one night is, you know, you put also the experience in a bit of a box and all that kind of stuff. But it, the longer you stay at the retreat, the more things are allowed to develop as well. And, you know, I, I always tell people, I cannot tell you how your experience is going to be like. I can tell you that we'll take care of you, that you'll be safe. and. The, one of the biggest things is most important is how you live in your life after the retreat and the indigenous are also saying don't just look for the immediate effect of the ayahuasca but the things that happen after and uh, I know you have many magnificent stories and I want to share a, a couple as well um, so there was a person that came to uh, the retreat and his intention was to feel unconditional love and he didn't get to feel that in his ayahuasca ceremony. He was disappointed. But two months later, he's now becoming a dad. He's going to know how unconditional love feels like. And uh, of course, it's also difficult to say, is he now becoming a dad because he drank ayahuasca with that intention and all that kind of stuff. But I'm sure you've experienced many of those mystical, magical... Be careful with your intention, guys. <laughs> synchronicities as well. Another time, somebody came to retreat. First day, he got back to his job, he got fired. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, that's not something that uh, anybody's looking forward to experience. But then you have to be honest with yourself. How much did I like my job? How much did my boss value me? How was the, could I creatively express myself? Or was I really limited into a box? And then when you purge a lot of ayahuasca, you move a lot of energies and then things start to change in your life. And then do you keep on knocking back on the door that closed or do you maintain that level of trust and confidence and move forward that something else uh, better is coming my way? He ended up uh, working for a different company, company where he could work remotely. He only just had to work half as much, was making the same amount of money. So things turned out to be very good for him but it required him when those difficult things came up after the, the retreat to maintain that level of trust confidence and that's the difficult time to maintain the trust and the confidence when things are going well it's easy to be that but if things are going tough and maintain that so I would say I've recently heard this analogy which is really good it's like growth is painful Mm -hmm. And everything in life to grow requires pain. Mm -hmm. It's like you know when a when a crab wants to become a bigger crab, it mm -hmm. needs to like 
take your shell off and like grow a new one and become vulnerable it's like growth requires pain and this vulnerability mm. and it's like let's say he's he's um sometimes a relationship is falling apart and you're mm. grabbing to it mm. and it's not for you and you're still grabbing for it and you're just losing your time instead of just accepting and maybe another opportunity would result which will be better it's like it's almost us ourselves pushing away good things in our lives because of some weird sort of attachment thing like oh i i can't be fired because why because my ego right so then it's like the getting fired was the best thing that could ever happen to this guy so it's so interesting no how the, the healing doesn't come as you expect it's not gonna be like you just stand there and then a ray of golden light will hit you and all your problems will go away forever forever it comes in a you know sometimes the healing comes in the form of a you know a slap if somebody slaps you i mean not not physically but it can be a something that happens to you that's completely puts you out of balance and it's completely offensive but it then results in something awesome makes makes you have to move right yeah and you need to understand you need to learn and you need to start to listen to these cues mm. that the universe provides you mm. the universe the god the plant spirit whatever is more comfortable for you to believe in mm. it just guides you in the form of those mm. it's not always in the form of like a gentle pushes sometimes it's slaps and kicks yeah but listen to it listen when it comes to you and um we we don't necessarily always know what's good for us mm-hmm. and sometimes plant medicines can help understand yes and um i'm so grateful for ayahuasca because i feel like what ayahuasca is really good at is making those emotional shifts it's one thing to understand it with your head like oh yeah it's okay that relationship was gone and i learned something from it it's another thing to emotionally move on from from it or anything that happened to you and ayahuasca can really deliver those shifts and then also after is very important because you might notice because that neural pathway is like you fall back into it but then you also it then becomes a decision like do i want to keep subscribing to my victim story and keep reliving that or now that i got this emotional impact do you do i start going on uh, different directions as well at least you get that flexibility and choice mm-hmm. you get because choice. actually ayahuasca from like medicine perspective does give you the flexibility mm-hmm. it's proven you know by, by science psychedelics in general allow you to do that and i think with i don't want to like uh, hate on Bufo right now um but i think it's like sometimes i feel like people who are really looking for that next level experience are sometimes more drawn to bufo and it takes you from zero to 100 whereas with ayahuasca you have to work through the things and however much you work through it it doesn't just depend on the plant it also depends on your willingness to uh, go through it you know for example we have uh, the tradition of uh, of, of sibundoy of the kamsadia uh, mama concha they have this purgative it's called azuvas toto and uh, you drink it and it's like six to eight hours you vomit between three to five five times you have to go to the bathroom and after that you'll connect with ayahuasca but 
you know, some people are like, oh no, I don't want to take it. It's like, <laughs> well, are you ready to do what's necessary? Oh no, I already, my, my stomach is hurting. I'm not sure if I want to drink another cup. Well, take the next step if you yeah. really want that step. So I think the expectation thing is not that big of a topic for me with the participants because of the conversations we're having before the retreat and in the retreat about uh, those expectations uh, as well. But it, it's not a, it requires you to, to work on it and it's gonna come most likely in different ways than you expected. But the doors open up, energy will be freed up and then it's up to you where you take that energy. So I think we can wrap up on our conversation about facilitators' life. Um, I hope it was interesting to you guys, and I know some of you might might have been curious about certain aspects of a you know life of, as a facilitator. And, and on ayahuasca in general, I ask you all to leave a comment in uh, in the comment section. Ask about what do you want to learn more about ayahuasca or plant medicines or life of a facilitator whatever questions might have come to mind uh, leave them in the comment this uh, podcast is uh, is very new but we are going to make more episodes and Oliver might uh, jump back on sometime as well so uh, last uh, ask for me as a facilitator you know uh, treat your facilitators well you know th those are people that chose path in life of uh, helping other people and when you're giving all your soul and all your heart to help heal somebody and then just say like oh the food was not salty enough I hate you of course not that way but something like that something minuscule and insignificant don't do that you know be nice to your facilitators give them love um, appreciate them same goes to shamans anyone who puts their you know their life their soul in line to help others heal just be nice to them you know take care of them that's 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 my parting words what do you say Oliver I think uh, absolutely and also see everybody as human everybody uh, with their mistakes as well don't put us on a pedestal either you know, sometimes you can think like, oh, you know, these, this amazing shaman or this, that or whatever, but everybody has their things that uh, they're working through that uh, they are struggling with. And uh, I think that's uh, also an important message to share that we are not this enlightened guru who has life figured out or whatever, but we are just as much on the journey. We put our heart and soul into it. And, uh, you know, if you are interested in going on this journey, you Colombia is a hot spot, it's uh, growing amazingly and uh, come here experience it for yourself and thank you very much Sam for the invitation, looking forward yeah, we're, to sharing more. We're no gurus, we're basically a couple steps in front, but that's enough to be a couple steps in front to actually show you where to go. Like, oh, I've been there, you know, come, mm -hmm. come follow me. So yeah guys, thank you for listening or watching. Uh, once again, it was me, Sam Believe from uh, Lawira Retreat and uh, Oliver Klozik here and uh, if you want to attend one of our retreats 
Uh, you can find um, my retreats here at this beautiful venue at lawira.com. And uh, Oliver, where can they find you if they want to join one of your events? Um, on the website, ayahuasca-retreat.com. Ayahuasca-retreat.com. You heard it. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye.